now. We're reading this morning from the book of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, starting from verse 1, and Claire's going to lead us in that reading. So the reading is Ephesians 5, and we're going to be reading from verse 1 through to 21. It's Ephesians 5 verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of, the, of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when everything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, it'd be really good to keep your Bible open there at Ephesians 5. Uh, we're going to particularly be focusing this morning on verses 1 and 2 there, just verses 1 and 2. Um, if we read Ephesians and that seems kind of familiar, that's good. Uh, late last year, uh, we started this series working our way through this book, this letter that Paul wrote uh, to the Ephesian church. We've had quite a break from that series and today we're getting back into it, uh, heading towards the conclusion. So over the next couple of months, uh, mixed in with a little bit of Easter, we'll be concluding uh, this letter to the Ephesians. Let's keep your Bible open there and let's pray as we begin. Lord God, we thank you that we can spend this time now <coughs> in your word. And we thank you that your word is powerful and it's effective. Thank you that your word is your power to change us by the Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord God, that you would do that this morning. Please give us attentiveness. Please take away distraction. Please open up our minds and our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm pretty sure that uh, most of us this morning, uh, as we were getting ready to come to church, uh, had at least one glance at our reflection in the mirror. 
I look around and I notice one or two people that maybe could have spent a bit longer, but on the whole, I'm gathering that we all all had at least a momentary glance in the mirror. Maybe it was just a quick check of the hair. Product, making sure that all the hairs were in the right place. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe it was a bit longer. Maybe it was several outfits that we tried on to make sure that we had just the right one for this morning. Uh, maybe it was the application of multiple layers of makeup to make us look that good as we came out this morning. Most of us, we're probably at least a little bit concerned about our appearance. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But we have to admit that we live in a time, a society, a culture that is absolutely obsessed with image. We live in a time where people are absolutely obsessed with the way that they present themselves. We live in a time where we try so hard to create an identity from what we show others. That impacts us in so many different ways. It shapes the way that we dress when we go out in public. It shapes what we post on Instagram and other forms of social media. It shapes the kind of people that we hang out with and the places that we go. It shapes the cars that we drive the choices that we make day by day. We are trying so hard to create an identity for ourselves through the image that we present. Now, when we started this book of Ephesians quite a few months ago, we noticed that this is a book that is all about identity. It's all about who we are, not just individually, but who we are together as a church. In fact, we, we've titled this whole series, Who Do We Think We Are? But it's not a letter that tells us how to create an identity for ourselves. It's a letter which tells us about the new identity that we have now in Jesus Christ. Our identity is not something that followers of Jesus get to make up. It's not something that we create for ourselves. It's not one that we choose off the shelf or make a selection of. Our identity is given to us already in Jesus. And that then shapes how we live. That's really the idea of these two verses here in Ephesians chapter 5. They're kind of the whole book, whole letter in summary form. They tell us, they remind us, of our identity in Christ, who we are, and from that it tells us how we are to live as these people in God's world. And that's really going to be our focus for this morning. A way of getting us back into this book by focusing on who we are and then how do we live. So let's start then with who we are, our identity. And it's right there in verse 1, those few, that little short verse. Therefore, it says, be imitators of God as beloved children. Now, we'll come back to the command to be imitators of God in a moment. But firstly, we want to focus on why the command is given. Why the command is given to be imitators of God. It's given because of who we already are. 
we are beloved children. Now, in this, this little phrase, Paul, who's the writer of this letter here, he summed up so much of what he's already told us about our identity so far in the letter. You remember some of those things? Maybe flick back, just have a look at the start of chapter 1. Where, where there's this one, remember that really, really long sentence? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. We, we are the ones who have received every spiritual blessing from God. We were loved from the creation of the world by Him. We were chosen to be adopted as His children from before the beginning of time. Tells us a little later on in that section, that, that big long sentence, that we are those who have been rescued, redeemed by Christ. And we are those on whom God has placed His mark, His seal, His sign of ownership by the work of the Holy Spirit on our lives. In chapter 2, he reminds us that we were, in verse 3, we used to be uh, children of wrath. But now, he says in verse 5, we have been made alive with Christ. And this is a gift of grace. In the second half of chapter 2, he, he reminded us that we used to be those who were far off. Remember, he used that phrase. We were without hope and without Christ. That's who we used to be. But now we have been brought near. We've been brought near to God and we've been brought near to one another. We, we've in fact become the new living temple, it says, in which God dwells by His Spirit. We are the, the people who are the recipients of every single promise that God has made. And we now have this incredible privilege of being the people through whom God is making known His manifold wisdom to the evil powers of darkness as He advances His kingdom. See, when He says, your beloved children, He's not saying it lightly. And He's not, he's not messing around. He's reminding us of who we are now in Jesus. We are children of a heavenly Father. We are children who are loved and who are precious to God. Now you and I, we all know how deep the longing for love and acceptance lives inside each and every one of us. We know how powerful a driver it is in our lives. In fact, for many people, it's the most powerful driver in their lives of all. To be loved and to be accepted. We long to have people look at us and see us as people who are okay. People who are worthy of attention and of love. And this drives and it shapes so much of how we live our lives. Whether we're striving for the love and the acceptance of our husband or wife, friends, parents, strangers, or even God 
This desire for love and acceptance keeps us bound up in knots over and over again. It drives the way that we live. But here, we are set free because we are loved children of Almighty God. And we didn't choose it. And we didn't work for it. And we didn't earn it. In fact, we did exactly the opposite. We threw life back in God's face. We took every opportunity to reject Him and His love. And yet He loved us anyway. He loved us to the point, verse 2, where He sent Christ to offer up His life for us. Our position, our identity, comes before our behavior. Our identity is not created out of our behavior. It actually comes before it. It comes because of what God has done for us in Christ. Our obedience is shaped by what God has done for us in Jesus. We're not motivated by fear. We're not to be motivated by guilt. We're not motivated by a longing for acceptance. We're motivated by a love that God already has for us. We're already his children. He couldn't love us any more than he already does. We belong to him now and we belong to him for eternity. You see, when you and I, when you and I struggle to live obediently to God, and we're going to look at that in a minute, when you and I struggle to do that, many times it's not firstly because we're not trying hard enough. It's because we don't actually believe the gospel. It's because we fail to believe who we already are in Jesus. We don't appreciate the new identity that we already have. It could be that as we think about this, many of us are trapped in a cycle of guilt and guilt-based obedience. You and I, we all know how that goes. We try really hard. We, we try to do the right thing. We try it in our own strength, and we fail terribly. The guilt builds up and up and up until it gives us this new, fresh boost to do the right thing again. I'm going to do the right thing because I don't want to feel guilty any anymore. But eventually we fail and the cycle goes on and on and on. The gospel breaks that cycle. The good news of Jesus and who we are in Him is the only way for that cycle to be broken. Because it says from the start, you are a beloved 
child of God. You belong to Him. He loves you. Sure. We will fail in our obedience. But that doesn't drive us to guilt-based obedience. It drives us to the cross. It drives us to Christ again. It drives us to His sacrifice in our place, to who we have become in Him, beloved children of God. And that's where we start afresh, each and every day, as beloved children. When each of us looked in the mirror this morning, when each of us fussed about our hair and our outfit, maybe we worried about what other people would think of that image. We were looking, if our hope is in Christ, at first and foremost, beloved children of God. That's our identity. That's the news we need to hear over and over again. Above the screams that you're not good enough, you don't fit in, you don't look good enough. We need to hear that we are beloved children of God. You see, it's only from there, it's only from our new position, our new identity, that we can begin to talk about obedience, that we can begin to talk about how we live. And that's exactly where Paul is going here in the second half of the letter. As beloved children, well, how do we live then? How do we live together? How do we live in relationship with God? How do we live in the world in which he has placed us? Well, here in verse 5, chapter 1, he, he has a command for us. He says, therefore, be imitators of God. Now, what does he mean by being imitators? Uh, on Wednesday night, uh, at Branch Youth, me and the uh, the young the young men uh, who are in my little group, uh, we were sharing our prayer points with each other, uh, what we can pray for. And I asked the guys there if they could pray for the sermon that I was preparing for, for, for today. And they said, well, what, what's it about? And I said, it's about imitating God. And they said, well, what's that mean? Is that like, is that like pretending you're God? Is imitating God... One of them even said this, like going into a room and turning on the lights and saying, let there be light. Is that what it means to imitate God? Well, no, it's not that. This is not an imitation pretending to be God. This is a life which reflects and is shaped by and follows after our Heavenly Father. You know how it is with young kids? And they look up to their parents and... and you know, it, it fades, but for a little while they think, I want to be like mum and dad. That goes the other way for a little while as well. But, you know, for a little while it's, I want to be like, I want to dress like mum and dad. It's dress up like mum and dad. Uh, I want to do the job that, that mum and dad do. Because they, it's a role model. Loved, accepted. What's the saying? Follow after your heavenly father. Be shaped by character like your heavenly Father who loves you. Now in many ways, the whole of what Claire read for us all the way down to verse 21 actually spells that out now. And it does so by using three walking uh, kind of instructions or commandments. 
Uh, if you look down a little bit later uh, in verse uh, verse 8, it says to walk as children of light. And we're going to be looking at that one next week. And then a little bit later on it says uh, in verse 15, uh, be careful how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. We are to walk wisely as we imitate our Heavenly Father. But today we want to focus on the first one, which is in verse 2, and walk in love. How do beloved children walk? How do they imitate their Heavenly Father? Well, they in turn now walk in love. Of course, they, they, love, they love their Heavenly Father. That's a part of it. But the emphasis here is actually they walk loving each other. They walk together, bounded by, committed to, practicing love for each other. What does that look like? Well, he tells us. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. How, how do we walk in love? We walk following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Not just a mushy feeling. Not just a vague connection to and commitment to the people around about us. Not simply doing it for those who are close to us and like us and it's easy to love. But we walk in love giving our lives for one another. Now not many of us here are I think, I don't know for sure, but not many of us here will ever be, ever be called to literally lay down our lives for each other, physically give them up. But we are being called to give up our priorities, our ambitions, our preferences, our time, our energy, our money, for the sake of one another. It's to live in community in such a way that we are encouraging and spurring one another on to follow Jesus. That's the purpose of the sacrificial love. It's to point everybody to the one who gave his life up for us. It's to demonstrate in community to one another and a watching world the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus had in giving up his love for us, life for us. Means that you and I are going to get involved in using the God-given gifts that we have from the Holy Spirit, not selfishly, not to puff ourselves up, not to give ourselves a place in the church, but to serve each other. Means that we'll get involved in the ministries of the church. And we'll do it willingly and sacrificially. And it will cost us. It will cost us the things that we would rather do. But we'll do it for love. To spur one another on to follow Jesus. It means that when we get together on a Sunday like this, 
We don't come with a mindset of, well, I, I hope I leave encouraged today. Well, I hope you do leave encouraged, but I, I hope we come with a different attitude. We come to love, to serve, to be a blessing and an encouragement to each other as we talk, as we meet, as we sing, as we serve. But we come in love to love. We come to lay down our lives for each other. It means that when we get involved in a growth group, of course we go because we want to grow. But we go to a growth group because we want to see other people grow in Christ. We go to encourage and to spur on other people on. We go to serve them with the gifts that we have. We are together as a community throughout the week, meeting needs, encouraging one another, again and again, pointing people to the sacrifice and the love of Christ. Our relationships with each other are to be dominated by sacrificial love for each other. That sometimes looks like befriending people who are hard work. Taking the time out to be with and encourage and spend time with somebody who it's not that easy to do. It means forgiving. Forgiving people who have hurt us. Not holding grudges. It means showing kindness to people who may not even feel deserve it. It's easy to do easy community. It's easy to rock up here on a Sunday, have a quick cup of coffee, have a couple of shallow conversations and leave and get on with the rest of your life. But that's not what we are to walk in. We are to walk in love. Love in the type and the style and in the way of Jesus. Love that is costly. Love that puts the needs of others in front of my own. As beloved children, we walk in love. And incredibly, as we do that, God is honoured. God delights in his people and in his children. Notice how the end of verse 2 finishes. Who gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Remember in the Old Testament when those burnt offerings went up? And again, that phrase is used over and over again about those burnt offerings. It was a, a pleasing aroma to God, as a pleasing aroma to God. The sacrifice of Jesus was exactly that. It was a sacrifice that brought honor, honor to his heavenly Father. It was a sacrifice that pleased God once and for all. And now, our love for each other is a fragrant offering. It's a pleasing aroma to our Heavenly Father who loves us. 
He is honored and He is glorified. He is delighted in His church as it walks in love. Over this week, we have been reminded that we live in a world that is dominated not by love, but so often a world dominated by hate. Uh, on Facebook, of course, with a lot of people from New Zealand, uh, and many of them used their uh, profile image uh, with the words, uh, this is not who we are. You saw that reference to Christchurch. This is, this is not who we are. Truly, God's beloved children can say, this is not who we are. We are not part of this world of hate. We are different. We are beloved children walking in love. It says something about the God who has loved us and saved us and called us when we love each other. It stands out as a beacon of life and of hope into a dark and hating world when beloved children walk in love. Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, we thank you this morning that our life is in you. That our hope is in you, that our future, our eternity is in you. We thank you, Lord God, that you do not accept us because of what we do. You accept us in spite of it. You accept us in Christ. Thank you, Lord God, that we are beloved children. Thank you that as we sit here, we are surrounded by beloved children of you. Lord God, please enable us and strengthen us and equip us to walk in love. Please take away selfishness and self-centeredness. Please take away division and disunity. Please remind us again and again of who we are so that we might love one another. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.